0: You know, my my born nephew—he is, is a around projectile pooper.
1: Hey, like, right. like, like, I, did, I I was too when bird. I was a kid. Yeah, it was messed up. My dad told me the story <laughs> like, about how like it project- it went across, bounced off the lampshade, and hit my mom.
2: <laughs> Hello, I am your host, Samuel Hansen. And you are listening to Combinations and Permutations, episode 67, brought to you by AcmeScience.com. On today's episode, we talk about small worlds, power laws, forbidden triads, the strength of weak ties. And even why your friends have more friends than you do. Here we go. Hello and welcome to Combinations and Permutations, the mathematical podcast that uh, is coming to you still from Las Vegas, Nevada. You know, every one but one episode of this podcast has been recorded in Las Vegas, Nevada. The other one, of course, was recorded in England during Maths Jam. Maths Jam, which is going to happen again this November. And uh, you guys should probably go to MathsJam.com if you're at all interested in it. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm going to try my best to end up there again. But that's not what we we are here to talk about. We're here after a rather long hiatus that involved me traveling and then getting sick. uh, And we're back with uh, Mr. Cody Palmer. Hello. Hello. Mr. Brandon Metz,
1: maths is just stupid,
3: <laughs> and Mr. Juan Myerskall. Welcome all. Okay. My
1: gosh, we have to do something about him.
2: <laughs> what, you're the one who invited him today. I didn't <laughs> we need, even we, send him a text because he hasn't recorded in forever.
0: So I'm over to him. <laughs>
3: I just thought it'd be nice to welcome everyone to. to Fuck you, Juan! I think I
0: think Juan may have a very good radio voice. I, I'm the one who
2: has to hear him in the headphones. It sounds more like he's high, really,
0: really high. He is from Berkeley.
3: I will not. (laughs) Nothing can be said there. (laughs) Any claims or accusations?
2: Uh, so, uh, as always on the podcast, we pick some sort of, well, we, <laughs> I pick some sort of mathematical topic that these three n- don't necessarily know anything about and definitely don't know what it's going <sighs> to be until we're here. And this week, I'm going to be talking about something very, very special. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I could just ah, no, I know it no. better not be Camp Rock 2. <laughs> okay, Camp Rock
2: 2 is very, very special, but it's not mathematical related. Mathem I don't even know what I'm saying anywhere. Nope. This week we're going to be talking about social network
1: theory. Okay. Okay.
3: Okay. Um, something with potentially interesting stuff. So do
2: you, do you guys know anything about social network theory? Or about network theory.
3: I know
1: the word social and the (laughs) word network.
2: But you don't understand the word theory. Okay, so we have a bit of an issue here.
1: (laughs) So when you put those two together, you get something that deals with networks of societies.
0: Theoretically. Um, Social network theory has to do with um, mapping out and describing the properties of... of the connections between people on not just a physical level, but on a social level.
3: <laughs> I thought it would have something theoretically. Do Doesn't Theoretically. I thought it would have something to do with, like, Jesse Eisenbud and uh, Eisenberg. Tem- Eisenberg. Eisenbud. Yeah, that's about and, uh, it. And the new Spider-Man. Justin, the new Spider-Man.
2: Yeah, he was also in the social network. Okay, of all of you, Cody
1: is the closest? Yeah. I guess... Uh, you can't deny that mine wasn't true. It was a theory of networking of, sexually, soci- of, soci- of societies, which it, essentially actually, is the, that the
2: way you said it made it sound like the networks between societies instead of the inherent structures well, that was, not what I meant. inside of society. Okay, so first of all, let's talk about what network theory is. Network theory is simply graph theory applied to the real world. So biological networks, elect—you know, like the network that connects all the houses together in the electrical grid. Uh, transportation networks all of those things are uh things that network theory uh deals with and this is uh of course something that graph theory can help study with you know min max flow stuff as well as identifying uh sinks and paths one thing uh one interesting network theory thing that I once read about was a study of a mall and they actually did the flow of people through the mall trying to figure out how much they should charge for certain uh Locations within the mall by identifying the most highly trafficked uh, in and out spots because that means more people would be walking by them.
1: Those crafty bastards. Well, of course,
3: but I mean, that makes sense,
2: right? <laughs> well, it no, sounds, that's what I'm saying it's crafty. It
3: sounds like it should be kind of variable depending, you know, you put a Starbucks in, in a place that there isn't much traffic and then all of a sudden that place has more traffic. So oh, it would no, be no, of course, of course,
2: they would study that too, but there's certain areas where people are just more likely to enter and more likely to exit. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, the stores by those locations should have a higher cost because they're just going to naturally get more foot traffic past them. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that that's one thing that, you know, you can use to study network theory. Now, social network theory is going to be study of individuals, groups, uh, and uh, you'd study the groups as if they were individuals and then the interconnections between them uh you can use this you know in coworker networks interdependence uh in within society uh and it, it's it's mostly about how these structures underlie how our lives work and how you know the world that we live in functions uh one one thing that you can uh and one thing that's super important about this is that you can now study society, you can study sociological factors and things like that without dealing with individuals, without ever having to see anyone. And that takes out the hardest part of any social science, which is bias. Hmm. As soon as you can start dealing with so, uh, social networks and societies uh, without the bias of having to actually view them, when you can just see them as networks, you can uh, be able to better understand how these things work
0: the miracle of dehumanization
2: (laughs) you're not dehumanizing we're we're understand that all of these are humans we're uh de-individualizing we're recognizing that they are individuals but we're not recognizing that you have a beard and Juan sounds like a druggie and brandon's goatee makes me really want to punch him in the face all the time
1: so, Whatever, you're the only one here who can't grow anything on their oh, face. Oh, I, 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 I have no problem
2: admitting that I wish I could grow facial hair.
1: The men will but be on this side. I would,
2: <laughs> be, I would much
1: rather have either Juan or
2: Cody's than yours. I would rather not be able to grow facial hair than grow You that. know
1: why I keep this. I'm pretty sure it's just to piss me off at this point.
2: I, I don't even think you would like it. I think you look at the mirror and be like, wow, I look like a creepy douchebag from 1998. But it annoys Sam. Hey, hey! Which if, is if it work. works, if
1: it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> okay, uh,
2: so social network theory is a rather new discipline, uh, and oddly enough, I am not actually taking any of this material from Wikipedia today. This is all coming. This is all coming from a presentation that I once did with Peter Rowlett in England, that I wrote. Okay. So social network theory is rather new, like 1950s kind of new. Okay, okay. Uh, And it was, uh, I mean, admittedly people studied it as far back as uh, you know the early 1900s, but it really didn't start becoming a thing that people were starting to publish papers on until Stanley Milgram. That name ring a bell for anyone?
0: Milgram sounds.
3: Stanley, uh, I know a few (laughs) friends named Stanley. It does sound familiar.
0: It reminds me of cereal. It does kind of remind yeah, when you of he cereal. Said Stanley yeah. Milgram, Maybe because General Mills yes. makes cereal. Is that the Milgram experiment. No. What's that? Does that, that have anything that... to do with cereal?
1: Somehow that does. Oh, familiar, oh, trust but... me, Brandon.
2: You know about the Milgram experiment. Uh, so you get you put two people in a room. Oh. One of them is supposedly knows some information about a crime. The other one is tasked with administering an electric yes, shock I do know this one. Yeah. to that person if they won't answer the question. And then you have the person studying, doing the study, who is Taking asking the questions and then demanding that they get shocked and also demanding that the uh, voltage individual uh, raise the voltage.
1: Every time they, don't, they refuse to answer, they raise the voltage. And it, what it does is it takes them by. They were, uh, what they saw was that with an authority figure there, they would people would just keep turning it up even past the point of oh, that would kill that, a normal human yes. yeah they would keep turning it up just because they, they, they didn't were told. need to
3: know anything about a crime right it was just random it was an actor. random stuff yeah. it was yeah. just, well, they would ask some questions that they got no, it wrong no no but they
2: were supposedly like they were suppo- for yes, the supposedly. story that these people were going in with and, and it was supposed to be a fake crime like yeah. you knew that the other person was just a member of the study mm-hmm. yeah i mean you were not you were not someone but the whole idea of the study was that that's what was happening. And yeah, they would raise it past death voltage. And thankfully there was just actors sitting in the electric chair and no actual current being used. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that is what Stanley Milgram is most known for. I knew knew it was familiar
1: for some reason.
2: The the Milgram experiment. So he's a social psychologist from Harvard, Yale, and City University of New York. Uh, But he also did something that is known as Milgram's small world experiment Ah, yes, this is another one that at least Brandon knows about. Uh, Brandon, do you do you remember anything specific
1: about that experiment? the small world fact isn't that the same thing as you can match any person
2: to, or is that okay, so what this comes from is uh, it's I think... something that the Hungarian author Corinthi wrote about in his uh, short story Chains, and uh, he had a conjecture in that story that no more than uh, six degrees of separation exists between people. Right. Any two people. So you're at we most... We call it so you know, many other things that... Yeah, six degrees a, of separation yeah. is the most common the small term. small
1: world for it. problem is what, it, yeah. Yeah, is what it's originally called. And
2: so in order to study this, <clears throat> uh, what Milgram did uh, was he identified uh, individuals in Omaha, Nebraska, and Wichita, Kansas... Uh, and uh, what he did is he gave those individuals a package that was to be delivered to a man in Boston, and he he chose Wichita and Omaha because they're not only physically far away—I mean, they're thousands of miles away—but they are mm-hmm. also, uh, societally very far away from a. I right. think it's a psychologist in Boston or a businessman in Boston, and he wanted them to through people that they know first name basis, they had to mail it to someone who they knew on a first name basis. Okay. Who they would then send it to someone they knew on a first name basis, each time trying to get it closer to this person. Right. And uh, what he found uh, was that uh, from the boxes that were completed, uh, they varied in length from two to 10. So, I mean, there's a lot yeah. of problems with this experiment. A lot of chains were not completed. There's a lot of people who just didn't follow through with the experiment. But it, when the chains were completed, they were pretty close to that six degrees of separation, two to 10. That's pretty wow. close. And also we managed to identify that uh, like, somewhere around half of the packages, 48% passed through three people. Wow. Yeah, so there's also these very important actors. And th- these are things that are going to come up later on as we continue talking, uh, or as I apparently continue
0: just lecturing the three of you sitting around in a table. I, well, I—I I mean, you're talking about the six de- degrees of separation. I, I was thinking of Juan over here. Somehow, before we met, I would be interested to know what our what our connection was.
3: Um so that th- that'd be interesting to do with, yeah. And, and with then a I think
0: a, an interesting specific example of this was today. I found out that uh, a girl that my brother is friends with is the nanny. Um, or the babysitter to a couple who was friends with my brother-in-law before we ever met him, so that was that ended up being interesting. So that was only what three or four.
2: Yeah, there's also like uh, with Breckling, we both he became friends during university with someone yeah, I knew. That's a weird one in mm-hmm. high school. Or actually, more than in high school, but we'll just say high school. Uh, was... And yeah. and so yeah, I mean there there always are these these kind of small things. It'd be interesting to see to track back how many steps it would have taken, say, between me and Brandon before Brandon came to UNLV. My guess is that none of us are really that far separated because we're all involved in mathematics. Yeah. Yeah. So all we would have to do is <coughs> identify one of our professors who knows somebody who knows mm-hmm. a professor at your oh. university, yep. and that's it for the connection. Right. Now, uh, this, this Milgram one, it, it's not actually uh, a very mathematical thing, Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is just an experiment just to kind of show that this six degree of separation thing kind of works. It was actually not until 1998 that we started having mathematical social network theory. Huh. And that was uh, Watts, uh, Duncan J. Watts and Steven Strogatz. Steven Strogatz, who you can find an interview with him over on Strongly Connected Components, also through AcmeScience.com. Uh, fascinating guy. Absolutely wonderful. But it, they published a paper in Nature in 1998
1: uh, are they, are they A mathematical one?
2: Yeah it, it was. It's so the are these are first... mathematicians? Yeah it... Well Duncan uh, was getting his PhD in mathematics <clears throat> at the time And he's now a sociologist Mathematical sociologist but okay. Sociologist And Stephen Strogatz is a professor of mathematics at Cornell
1: So they published in Nature the Yeah ma- The magazine yeah, oh. but I
2: mean, it's it because it's social network theory. I mean, it has a bigger branch. They what right. Was, I mean, it has
1: so many. It has a lot of applications.
2: Yeah, and this was the first uh, mo- mathematical model of uh, <clears throat> what are now known as small world networks. Okay, and so it's actually uh, it was the first time small world networks. There was some uh, Anatole Rapaport, Mark Granovetter, both did some mathematical work. But this is the first time that we have a model of a small world network. Uh, and so the difference between uh, a regular network and a small world network is think of uh, a cycle graph. You guys know what a cycle graph is, right? Mm-hmm. You just have uh, you know, say, sixteen nodes, and node one is connected to sixteen and two, node two is connected to one and three, and mm-hmm. so on. so it just goes around in a circle. Now right. that means that uh, if you want to get from, say, node five to node 10, you actually have to travel six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Or go in the opposite that's, direction, right. which would that be works. longer. <clears throat> now, that's not how the real world works at all, is it? No, I mean you don't have to just constantly go through uh, in these kind of small jumps. There's, there tends to be something like you might have to go one small jump, but then there's going to be a big jump that goes across. That's kind of what's known as bridging uh, connections. And so this was a model that took, uh, they didn't take a sega, they took a lattice graph, but then deleted and replaced edges with things uh, with a certain probability and that would create these bridges so uh what would happen is uh there's a couple of things one's called the clustering coefficient this is how interconnected a network is if you say have a complete graph
1: it's a pretty cool coefficient name
2: yeah if you have a say a complete graph (laughs) where everything is connected to everything else has a clustering Uh coefficient of one okay if you have a graph that has no connections at all what's the clustering coefficient zero yeah
1: okay so it's between zero and one
2: yeah ones. so uh, then the graphs they were starting with had a uh a pretty high clustering coefficient so with the small world networks, the clustering coefficient goes down but average path length goes up or no also goes sure. down so, so it, like it's the... it's less clustered but the a distance between nodes is a much shorter okay now, I mean, if you, want, if you want to know more about the actual model, read the paper. It's uh, available now, I think, for free to pretty much anyone. And it's only, like, four pages long. Super understandable, about four pages long. Read the paper. It, it's, it's actually very interesting. Uh, and so then they decide to cool. see if this actually matched real-world networks. So, I mean, they have a model, but does it work? And it turns out it does. <laughs> I mean it's it turned out to be uh pretty good for things like say uh collaboration networks. So I mean it, it you guys know what a collaboration network is, right? network
0: of collaborators. <laughs> Can you give a better definition than that? Um <clears throat> a network of people who work together.
2: <laughs> and how are the how are the people
0: connected by doing work together? Yes. <laughs> so it's a
2: it's a network of nodes that have connections if they have directly collaborated on some project, say like the mathematical uh, mathematical collaborators network uh, centered around Erdős, that turned out to to match a lot of the small world network things, but it did fail uh, to match a couple of things, and this this is when uh, in uh, a, a few years after that, so in the early two thousands. Uh, a couple of people named Rekha Albert and Albert Barabasi come in, and they introduced the idea of something called a hub. Do any of you have any guess of what a hub in network theory would be?
1: It's a giant thing that everybody has some kind of connection to. A lot of, like, I don't know, it makes it seem like the like the center of a wheel. Everything connects to it.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's very similar to that. that's, that's exactly, what a hub yeah. usually
1: is. It's, everything connects to it.
2: Yeah, and so can you, do you think that something like that would occur in the real world?
1: In network, I could I could see that. Yeah, like maybe maybe not. E- I, well, for everyone in the world, like, no, 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 but no. Like within certain, yeah. Within no, certain think, cultures think like,
0: about
2: like your personal social network. I, I was thinking Tom from MySpace. That is, he would be a hub. Yeah, yeah but he's he's. He's a hub with very thin connections. <laughs> but no, I mean, think about your friends. Don't you have that one friend who knows everyone?
1: Yeah. Makes sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the Watts-Strogatz model did not create these.
1: They just showed up? Yeah. That's kind of uh, cool.
2: No, no, no. They, did, they would not show up in the model oh, at all. Oh, they wouldn't show up in the model. So that They're was not. the one thing that their model failed to do
3: for uh, real world, it was uh, based on probability that you no know, edges would just show up randomly, or not randomly, but based on some probability. Yeah. So, 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 so before, take- so with
2: the with the Watts-Strogatz model, you had a certain amount of total connections, okay. and when you reconnected the graph, uh, running it through the probability thing, you if you uh, when you deleted a connection, you added exactly one connection. So if you had 16 connections after you after a step you still have 16 connections. Okay. So that was a problem that you're not getting new connections really.
1: I, I have a just a quick question. Yeah. What, what makes it a hub? How many how many links are required? It, it's just it like there's no I mean, there's no have, like, given number four but, people know the same person but like Yeah,
2: well say say the four of us constitute a social network. Okay. Then it's probably one person's connected to all three. That would probably right. be a hub. But I mean it's just when you look at a graph here, let me let me bring up a a graph on my computer so that I can at least. I mean, I
1: understand like a hub should have many, many, sure many. Do. But like, when does it become a hub, and when does it, I, when does I, it cease I think, being a hub?
2: I, I mean, if you look at this graph, uh, I'm showing them the mathematical collaborators graph, which I will put up. It's very pretty clear on, on the on the uh, blog. It you look at say Erdos in the middle, right, and you know that he's a hub, right. Uh, and I think that Barabasi and Albert uh, defined it more mathematically. I don't remember what it is off the top of my head. It's been a while since I've read their book.
1: I wonder if it's a proportion based it's on a percentage a based term. on the size of the actual space. I, I, I imagine that that's that, that, that would that's seem probably reasonable. Yeah. Probably a proportion. If a certain number of the – like a percentage, certain percent all connect to this, then it would be a hub. Yeah. It seems based on the – okay, yeah. it makes more sense. Yeah,
2: yeah and, and that's – I mean and it makes sense because we all do know those people. And if you look at, say, the networks of the electric grid, you still have the main part that connects to everything else. Yeah. So these hubs are out there in networks. It's, it's a very common feature of a network.
1: How could they have missed something so obvious?
2: I don't, I don't necessarily think that it's, they missed something obvious. It's that they were trying to model a very specific thing. Oh, okay. They were trying to model the small world bridging. Oh. Yes. So what, what allows for that bridging? What allows for the six degrees of separation? Those hubs. Yep. So uh, except like th- a that connection of hubs. Yeah, that was before hubs. Yeah. So as as I was saying about when with that model, if you have sixteen connections in the beginning, after you run the graph through the model, you still have sixteen connections. With uh, the uh, Barabasi Albert model, on the other hand, you actually start with two nodes that are connected, and then at each step you add a node, and you have a certain probability that that node will connect to one of the other ones. And any of the nodes that there also have a probability that they'll connect to a node that it's not even connected to yet. And the more more a node is connected already, the higher the probability that it's going to connect to another node.
1: That makes sense. Which
2: then causes the hub nature. So if you already have five connections, you're more likely to pick up a sixth than something that has one is going to pick up a two. And that's exactly it. If you have a ton of friends, if you know a lot of people
1: you're going to pick up more connections. You're
2: going to meet more people because they know a lot of other people. Right. And and so that's that's kind of what the modeling came down to and it turned out that the uh, dis, if you look at the distribution of uh if you look at the distribution of connections. So, you know, the it turned out that it follows something called the power law distribution. Do you guys do you guys know what a power law
3: distribution is? Power law Come on guys. It's, it,
1: it's it, one of those things that
3: just it sounds like the the more people you know, then they get to know more people, they get to know more people. It sounds like you're kind of exponentiating this into uh like to, some to, kind to a of point power.
2: except it's actually a uh, it's in the square roots of exponent or it's in the roots of exponentiation. Uh, how about the 80/20 law? You know anything about the 80/20 law?
0: What is um so? 20% of the people do 80% of the work?
1: Yeah, oh, that's, right.
2: that's right. That's that's right. so it turns out that in mo- in most real world networks, as well as all of the Barabasi networks, 80% of the connections are from 20% of the nodes. Hmm. So it follows a power law. It's, it's a distribution. It looks like, uh, looks like the graph of a uh, fractional power. Okay. And it causes that uh, most... It, and so that means that if you look at... If you, it, if you picture a graph here... Uh, where the x-axis is the number of connections, and the y-axis is the number of nodes having that connect that amount of connections, there's a huge amount of nodes that have that are on the uh, very close to the y-axis mm-hmm. because they have very few connections. And then as it goes out, it drops down very quickly and then asymptotically approaches the x-axis as you get out to the ones that have. A huge amount of connections because that there's fewer of those. Right. So that's what a power law distribution is, and it turns out that this is how the real world works. Hmm. That the uh, majority of the majority of connections are through a very small amount of people.
1: I can see that. Seems about right.
2: Yeah. Okay. So uh, I, apparently, I'm going to just keep on lecturing here because there's a couple other things about social network theory I want to talk about. <laughs> Uh, actually, before before I do that, uh, do you guys have any question or uh, do you guys have any ideas as to what the typical things other than say path length and clustering coefficient, which I've already mentioned, that social network theorists would want to measure? Like, what what kind of things? What kind of metrics do you think that people who look at these things would want to know?
1: Other than path length and what uh, said... clustering
2: coefficient? Remember the one you said right, was an awesome yeah. coefficient name. <clears throat> Think like a mathematician here, guys.
3: Seems like the rate at which uh, nodes increase and decrease. You know, okay. uh, when, when, you're in, when you're in high school, you get to know a lot of people immediately. You get to, it seems like you get a lot more edges um, in that time frame. When you get to uh, the real world, you start getting a job. You, start, uh, you don't expand as much. You start to know less people because you're stuck in one confined area. Um, it, it seems like that would be a, a useful thing to know. You know. When do people stop expanding?
2: Yeah, that would be a fantastic question to ask if you're a sociologist. You're not okay. thinking like a mathematician here. But I don't know if that's something that's been studied. And so if you want to continue some work in sociology, that might be a paper you could publish. What?
3: What?
2: Uh, but but think, think of it not as a social network. Think of it just as a network. So dro- drop off the social idea. And it's, it's a network that you're given. So if that's how it works... Uh, what sort of things would you want to measure from that network?
3: How about the average uh, maximum distance? Um, I don't know.
2: Yeah, max distance. That's definitely something people would like. I One, is, is it completely connected? Because mm-hmm. if it's not completely connected, you might have different clusters that don't connect. Mm-hmm. And at which point, then maximum distance would, of course, be infinity because you couldn't get from one of the nodes to one of the other ones then. But yeah, max distance. Max distance is something that uh, network theorists would be very interested in. What else? Come on, here, guys. I, I know it's summer, but your brains shouldn't have completely shut off this well, much. That, and All Sunday of you too. are studying for qual's. How many?
3: How many people are Sam? Is Sam connected with? And why is anyone even connected with him to begin with? <laughs> Uh, I, I yeah that is this one of this the biggest a, questions. This is a network
2: of my actual friends. I have one. are you freaking kidding? I'm not kidding. i made a network. Which of one? Am, which friends. note am I? Uh, you're not on there.
3: Question number two. you're why? not
2: friends
0: with me on Facebook, asshole? I'm friends with you on Facebook. Where am I? Uh, you're you know how I feel one. about Facebook. This is my Facebook.
2: undergrad. This is my undergrad network. My graduate and undergrad network don't connect to one another. And I was using this as a slide, so I had to use whichever one was the biggest. So Whatever. none of you guys are on there.
1: Cool. Yeah, notice how your other... One, that's not the biggest... I mean, our current network is not...
3: Why are the there one. only three people on there, Sam? Why doesn't anyone... It's a
1: line. Okay. it's yeah. so... One line. Two endpoints and a midpoint. That's all it is. So other... Sam's at the middle.
2: No, I'm not actually represented on this. These are, all, these are my friends I knew from undergrad and how they're connected to one another. Okay, so other things that I say I measured when I did this, I looked at the... Uh, which node had the highest degree? So which, okay. node was, which node was the hub, essentially, right?
1: Highest degree would
3: be...
2: Uh, and also average degree. So how many people are connected to each other? So you I assume
3: you, you take yourself out and then just measure... Look, look at the see, connection. Yeah, yeah, because
2: clearly I would be yes. the hub of the graph otherwise. Yes. Uh, because I'm connected to every single person. But right. yeah, like there's uh, 83 nodes here. One of the nodes is connected to 30 of them.
1: That's interesting.
2: Out uh, of... Okay. Out of 83, okay. yeah. And okay. clustering coefficient was one other thing. But those, those are the typical metrics that, say, people look like or look at when they look at things like these. And there's a wonderful program called GFee, which is what I used to make that. And also uh, the thing that allowed me to you know, quickly get all those metrics without having to calculate them by hand.
1: It's pretty cool. Which
2: would be awful. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so do you guys know anything about forbidden triads?
0: They're gangs Kings in China.
2: <laughs>
0: no, I think you're thinking of the Forbidden
2: Kingdom and triads. Different things. <laughs> yeah,
3: I'm sure you can make some musical joke, but I guess you'd have to be a music geek to, to get it. You know, anyway.
2: is is no one going to make the clear joke about this? Come on, Brandon. You know you want to.
0: The forbidden gonads. <laughs> Do you know what a triad is? Do you know what a a triad
2: is when you're talking about, say, uh, people who
3: are naked? I think you're thinking of the Eiffel
1: Tower. (laughs) (laughs) That is a triad, like the most literal way.
2: Yeah, I was really expecting someone to make the sex joke about the forbidden triad.
0: <laughs> uh, oh. Oh okay. for, for me tri- tri- trinity is more of a word that I'm familiar with versus triad. I
2: don't think of Trinity in the sexual way me unless either. I'm thinking of Job Bluth. <laughs> no idea who that Oh is. oh I uh, just said the Holy Job Trinity? Bluth? Really? You want to? The, really?
1: Progressive <laughs> development. I don't You like who's that you like I don't know who that
0: Wait, I should okay, okay. Oh Job Bluth. Right, that's what you said. Yeah, right? you're not convincing me. You know this now. Oh, Job. I thought Bluth. You, I he, thought you know, he knows Arrested
1: Development, but See, I don't know no, why Here's I, the thing.
0: I thought you said Dolly Joe Trinity? Bluth, and I was thinking, is he some relation to Don Bluth? <laughs> I thought I thought um, she meant a sex position. No, <laughs> no,
1: she she meant
2: the Trinity. <laughs> okay, okay. So forbidden triads. So I, Okay, so if you have three people, A, B, and C. And uh, A and B and A and C are strongly connected. So we're talking about two different types of connection. Are now, they
1: strongly connected components?
2: No, they're not strongly oh. connected components. Why are you plugging my stuff? <laughs> you always yell at me when I plug my stuff.
1: Because <laughs> I wasn't plugging. I was just being,
3: He was you saying know. how it was forbidden yeah. and it <laughs> shouldn't. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's forbidden for me yeah. to say it. Apparently, yeah.
1: we're talking about triads here, and I was just talking okay. about co- components. So, each note is no, a no. component okay. of the. Graph. So we'll say
2: that there's three things that can happen between people. They can be not connected, they can be weakly connected, or they can be strongly connected. Components. So me and you, me and all of you would be strongly connected. We we see each other pretty often. where but
0: Facebook friends are weakly connected. Wow. Wow. Well, Sam but, that's a very nice thing to say. Thank but
2: you. say me and uh say a person person i've only ever met on facebook who knows me through some of this math stuff you know who, who friended me or followed me on twitter or something like that 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 would be a weak connection or you know say someone who i know who i see at the gym every once in a while but you know we're just kind of on like waving but we'll you know exchange pleasantries it'd be a weak connection uh, and then you know no connection that's clear someone you don't know Uh, So now a forbidden triad states if you have A and B being strongly connected and A and C being strongly connected, then B and C must be at least weakly connected. So the forbidden triad would be A and B, A and C strongly connected, and B and C not connected.
1: See, now I'm searching Mm. for contradiction here. Where Okay, no, no, no.
2: There's got to be two people. Of course. Yeah, no, but this is an assumption to work from. Uh, And so... And this—that that was work done by, uh, or that was something done by Anatole Rappaport. And of course, there are places where that's not true. But I mean, yeah, clearly, in, there's got to be a But in general, that is a pretty true statement. Yeah, they at say, least yeah. know each other. Uh, Whoa, well, well. Here, here! You want, you want to know, you want to know an, an example where that's not true? Husband and wife, husband and mistress. True.
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> until and, it blows up. Any of you two's friends at back at home? Yeah. So well, and me. Right. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. Because I was going to say Cody and Brandon. On the other hand.
1: Yeah.
3: All right.
2: Uh, so and and through this, uh, a person from uh Johns Hopkins, uh, Professor of Sociology Mark Granovetter, uh, did a study called the Strength of Weak Ties. So it's based off of the existence of these forbidden or of these forbidden triads, and what these forbidden triads cause in social networks is clustering. This means that in general, if you're strong and connected with a bunch of people, they're at least going to be weakly connected. So they're all clustered together. Mm-hmm. Right. What this means is that all uh, – and if you assume that uh, information flows well along strong connections. This means that you know most of what your friends know. Right? Like that makes sense. You talk to your friends regularly. So most of the information about the world that you know, your friends have a pretty good inkling of what it is. Right. And so what Mark Granovetter looked at was where people found jobs. So he interviewed or he gave a survey to a lot of people and asked where they had found their jobs. Now, most people found their jobs from people that they knew. Yeah. So it turned out that through close personal contacts or through people who found them through personal contacts – 16.7% 16.7% of people used people that they saw at least one time a week. 556 used people that they saw more than once a year, but less than twice a week. And 27.8% once a year or less. This means that over 80% of people got jobs through people that they are not strongly connected to. Hmm. Well, more than once a year, less than twice a week.
3: Well, that, that, makes, that makes some sense. I There are a lot more people that I am weakly connected with than people that I'm strongly connected yes. with. Yes, yes, that's that, so. That is, that is so right. So there's but a much the, bigger pool of people to pick from.
2: But it actually uh, it turns out it's probably more from the fact that they are not in the same cluster that you are. If one of your friends was going to get you a job, you probably already know about that job and you don't need them to get it for you it's it's okay. it's the whole clustering so that's one factor of uh social networks that i find very interesting that's another really good paper and the uh final one is that did you know that your friends have more friends than you do oh no 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 this is an actual fact of network theory kind of did you know that your friends have more friends than you do so what what this comes down from if you look at I can't at, wait to do this. Yeah, if you look at a network and it's it will become very clear as soon as soon as I talk about this.
1: It's an induction, right?
2: I uh, not not quite. It's a one step induction. Uh so if you look at your amount of friends. Sure. You you you're, you're, you're going to have some amount of friends. But then if you look at the friends of friends and take an average of it. So what you do is you every single node that, or every single person you're connected to You count up the amount of friends that they have, and then take the average of that.
3: So, so the statement is the average of the average friends that all your friends have is greater than the amount of friends friends you have. The
2: average friends of friends is higher than your amount of friends. So, your friends have more friends than you do. Okay, Uh, and it's it's also the friendship paradox. It came from Scott L. Feld. And yeah, and what what it generally comes down to is that you're probably friends with people who... uh, I mean, you're probably connected to people who are connected to a lot of people. Uh, If someone has a lot of friends, you're likely connected to them because they have a lot of friends, right? Right. Uh, And so if you're connected to them and you put them into the average, it bumps up the average of friends of friends. Uh, And it's especially true if you take that over the entirety of the network because, of course, there is a node. And so this is a weird thing. If you take... The, uh, if you sum up the total amount of friends that everyone has and then divide by the total amount of people in the network, that number is also going to be smaller than the average of everyone's friends of friends number.
0: Hmm.
2: Because you end up double, triple, quadruple, uh, quintuple counting those hub people. Mm-hmm. You count them over and over and over again. So the coolest thing about this... Uh, is that it's actually very useful. So say, uh, and, and now this is a study that was done at Harvard uh, by Nicholas uh, Christakis. So say you want to track the spread of swine flu back in like, when was that, 2009?
1: Like that, yeah. seems like that. Yes.
2: Okay. So say you want to be able to spread and be able to predict when it goes from some people having it to an epidemic. So if you're at Harvard, what you're going to do is you're going to take data in from student health services, right? Right. I mean, it makes sense. You have access to it. You're at Harvard. And, but uh, you're going to ask these people one other thing. You're going to ask them to randomly select a friend and you're going to follow both the you're randomly going to select some people to follow, see if they get swine flu. And you're also going to ask them to randomly select a friend and follow those people you're going to follow them as a separate thing. It turns out that you got over a week's uh, earlier evidence of an epidemic happening by following the randomly selected friend Hmm. of the randomly selected people. And it's because of your friends having more friends than you do. The person that you randomly select is on average going to be a more important person in the network. Hmm. Because your friends have more friends than you do. And by doing that, you're able to better predict epidemics. Uh, people are going to start using this in marketing. Hmm. You, you randomly select people, and then you don't use those people. You ask them to randomly give you the information of one of their friends. <laughs> because your friends have more friends than you do. I just love saying that. It's, it's amazing, and it's really interesting.
0: Hmm.
2: Okay, so those are all the things I want to talk about about social networks. Uh, you guys find anything
0: interesting that you want to talk more about? Here's what's interesting to me. We have made it all this time without talking about Facebook. Actually, I mentioned Facebook. That's true. But we weren't, we weren't discussing why would you, it as a... You, as why a, would you
1: bring it back up?
0: As, well, it was interesting that we were... We were um, well, we were talking about the mathematical function of the networks.
2: Facebook is... I mean, it, it's studied by social network theorists because it's a huge data set. Mm-hmm. It's an enormous data set. But it's not a super useful data set in a lot of ways. Because people just click yes. Yeah.
1: I don't. There are still people that I refuse to
2: Yeah, I know. I am not your friend on Facebook. <clears throat> I
1: don't think you've ever sent me an invite, so...
2: No, because I know your feelings <laughs> about it. Uh, and plus, I just have to delete you one day anyway. I. Uh, <laughs>
1: Come on, you, you know you want to do that. You know you want I, to I do. delete. I kinda, You're like, yeah. haha, I'm hoping that somewhere, but, no matter where he is, this is actually deleting him from this earth. No, and you
2: want me to friend request you so you can click ignore.
1: Well, <laughs> probably accept I, it. I might. Uh, but, about a 40%. So, so
3: I mean, accept, then hate mail, then... then and then poke 45 better. times. <laughs> and
1: I never thought of that,
2: but that's a great idea. Uh, but Facebook... Honestly, to me, it's not very interesting. Twitter is a lot more interesting to me than Facebook because, uh, one, Facebook, a lot of people just click yes and a lot of people just fight to have more friends. Right. Like, it's a fight to get to 5,000. <sighs> and and I, don't, I don't understand. And right. I know some people study it. But, I mean, there's been interesting things of network theory saying like Wikipedia that I'd much rather read than studies of Facebook. Uh, okay. But Twitter is interesting to me because it's an asymmetrical one. You can follow people on Twitter without them following you back. Ah, uh. And that causes a really interesting network dynamic uh, in that you have these people who, are, who, uh, who spread out to millions of people, but they only have the input of a small amount. And that, that to me, is, is a very interesting thing. And I think it's a network that can be leveraged in interesting ways. And also, uh, when you do that, you can uh, say how active their followers are. You have people like, say, Lady Gaga, who has like 7 million followers, but the people who follow her are not active followers versus someone like, say, a John Hodgman, who I think is in the hundreds of thousands. He's in the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, but he has a very active followership when he asks questions to the hive mind all the time, and he gets hundreds of replies within minutes. So That's crazy. So, I mean, there, there are interesting ways of leveraging networks. What what sort of networks would you guys be interested in looking at if you were social network theorists?
1: Not Facebook.
0: Okay, fair enough. Yeah, but I think you you brought up a really good point about Facebook, and even like MySpace is along the same lines as well. I
2: would love to study MySpace's decline <laughs> over the last five years. You can
1: graph it with an extra dimension. <laughs>
2: <Time>. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no. <laughs>
1: And fifth dimension uh, except Except
2: you can't include the music part, which is still a, an actually very useful and active area of MySpace.
0: I did not know that.
2: Well, it's because Facebook doesn't have a music group thing. And yeah. a lot of fans actively use their MySpace thing for music. That's
1: probably the only really interesting thing about MySpace, the music yeah. that you could embed.
2: Okay, so what, what networks? They don't have to be social networks, just what networks would you be interested in saying? Like, what tickles your fancy? I like thinking about What tickles what? your taint?
0: <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. No. Interestingly enough, I was going to say uh, the we were talking a little bit about electrical networks, and that was um, that would be interesting to me. And then you mentioned it tickling the taint. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, electricity would. I do not want electricity anywhere <laughs> well, near thing my. Thing. Taint. No, in a small, in
2: a small, <clears throat> uh, small voltage, small amperage, small wattage. Electricity can be kind of titillating. Ooh. First thing I think of is
1: neural networks. Neural networks? Okay. It, well, that becomes, I mean, oh, obviously that's interesting to me when I was, you know, I studied neuroscience when I was, as my minor, and that was really cool stuff to me. So just studying the brain and the, neuros- the nervous system in general is studying, you know, a neural network. And that's the whole thing about it. I mean... It's an example. That's a network. Yeah, group. that's man. That would be. A, I.
2: I think I've seen a couple of examples of mapping that as a network, and those things are ugly.
0: Well,
1: yeah, you talk about trillions, trillions of connections. And
0: I think. I think quadrants. another sort of network that's of interest to all of us are the transportation networks.
2: Oh, I love the tra- I love the interstate system. You've seen my wonderful uh-huh. interstate system map that's in the office.
1: Yes, we have seen them. So. <laughs> well, are you not you and
2: interested your maps. in maps? Are you not interested in transportation systems, Brandon?
0: Kind of. Well, I drive him most places. So. <laughs> or
1: you say you're going to and just don't ever
2: wake that,
0: up. That
1: that does happen too. Like five out of seven days.
0: Yeah, pretty much.
3: Why do you have any interest in networks? Um, I I do think that social networks are incredibly interesting um i guess i would try and confine it into different uh, different regions maybe based on some more relevant to us like uh, a math network and maybe a, an english me- network and see like how how our nodes expand differently because I don't yeah, know, maybe we're more awkward or yeah i would
1: different I would, categories of networks. i would love yeah. to
2: view the because the math collaboration network is actually really well mapped by math Signet and the uh, erdish number project there's a lot they, of places they to... do a they do a huge amount i don't know if the english like the english research or collaboration network is uh, has been mapped or the data is stored in the same way mm-hmm. i mean we're mathematicians we're <laughs> geeks of course we do that but it, it would actually be right. i would be very interested in seeing how collaboration is different because it seems to me like english is probably something that has since they do mostly like criticism and stuff like that probably not as many co-written papers Probably. So their collaboration networks probably not as dense as math, where math, most papers are co-written. There's not really that many individually written yeah. mathematical yeah, papers. Science
3: in general, people can build up or people can work together to build up some outcome. They, um,
2: and they generally have to. Yeah. I mean, especially
0: yeah. in
3: the
2: other science, like physics or something like that. You need a theoretician. You need an experimentalist. Right. You need a technician. <laughs>
1: Another type of network, family networks, just like in general, like genealogy. That's all. That's all. We, I always thought that was a pretty interesting, like, because that clear. That's clearly a network. You're talking about who, what, what are the people you're connected to through blood Man, can you imagine or Geng- marriage? I mean, that's some it, cool Genghis stuff. Genghis Khan's genealogical yeah, like, network would
2: cover. I think it's a seventh of the people in the world now.
1: Mm. It's nuts. Yeah, it's just crazy. Just think. But yeah, that's another type of totally different network. But it's it's really cool to think about it. Okay. Well,
2: I don't. I don't really have anything else to say. I got a chance to lecture you without any of you actually giving me terrible
1: looks. uh, For once, it's the only kind of look you get from me. Actually, no, no. You seemed interested today. There's some interesting things. Well, probably because well, Nathan and I were talking uh, the other week, and um, we were talking about how they're using, they're doing what this thing they call um, uh, how do I want to call it? I want to forget human topography. But it has to deal with it has to deal with like a networking model, but adding but looking at it from a topological algebraic topology standpoint. And what they were doing is um, it's sort but of,
2: isn't isn't that all that networks are? Isn't that all that graph theory well, is?
1: Not all of it. There's some, but there's a lot of the graph theory and algebraic topology. They fit they fit very nicely together. And so, but they were there was a new way of doing it. They're mapping it in a a different way though now and to use it like to find like how al-qaeda is getting weapons and stuff and like oh yeah people have been something it's not something you know it's not new in any way no but but that is actually just social network theory they've they've been mining social network theory
2: uh quite a bit uh for for things like that i mean it's of course i mean if you can identify a hub in a terrorist oh yeah it's
1: clear that that's what you should be yeah
2: Oh, uh, one, one last really interesting thing. You can also uh, model networks on uh, hyperbolic space instead of Euclidean space, which is weird because we don't generally think of uh, nodes. I mean, every single connection we think of as being the same distance. It's just a separation of one. So changing from a Euclidean to a, a hyperbolic doesn't seem to make much sense. But it turns out that if you do that... Uh, and then slightly change routing, you can actually uh, really help internet routing. A huge amount. Fantastic paper that I read a few months ago that I can't really remember too much about. But the internet uh, maps hyperbolically. What's its uh,
1: hyperbolic space? It's just
2: taking the network that underlies the internet, ISP connections uh-huh. and backbone connections, and uh, plopping that down in a disk... Uh, a hyperbolic disk, and then letting the nodes uh, come out to the edge if they have fewer connections, towards the middle is more connections, and then using the topology that's inherent in that for routing. And it turns out that it uh, very quickly approaches the most effective routing strategy uh, with a lot less computer time Hmm. using that map versus the typical uh, Euclidean internet network map. So it turns out you can do some actual distance metrics in there, too, other than just connections.
1: That seems more interesting to me than regular. Uh, I, hyperbolic I've, stuff seems way more interesting.
2: I find, I find it all interesting. It's, it's hyperbolic in a weird way.
1: I'm, I'm trying to conceptualize it in my I, head right I now. think
2: I have the paper laying around somewhere. I, I very least have a digital copy of it. I'll, I'll give it to you. But uh, I think that it. anyone else have anything? Thanks. So um, make sure if you have any feedback, uh, if you perhaps want the slides from this presentation that I just essentially read off of, uh, email me, Samuel at AcmeScience.com. So it wasn't Wikipedia,
1: it was the slides this time. I okay. told you that at the beginning of the show. I don't listen to what you say, Sam. And
2: <laughs> head, head on over if you want links to some of this. I'm going to put up a bunch of links uh, at AcmeScience.com under the blog entries. So for Cody Palmer, Brandon Metz, Juan Mariscal, I am your host, the incredibly venerable oh. and awesome Samuel Hansen. Ha! Thanks for listening. Right. And that is all the time we have for this episode of Combinations and Permutations. If you have any feedback or perhaps you want to suggest a topic, really, pretty please, suggest a topic. I am running out of ideas here, people. Send me an email, at acmescience.com. Also, head on over to acmescience.com to check out the blog post for this episode, where you'll find a bunch of links. To all the cool stuff that we talked about today. As always, the music is from SP12, who you can find over at Opsound.org. And this podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Alike license. Which means that please take that part of Brandon talking in the beginning and make it into the next big techno dance hit. Just mention that the sample is from us. Thank you all so much for listening, and I hope that you come back for the next episode of Combinations and Permutations.